life is a tricky little monster. So I think what I was doing, I was tricking myself that this is what success was. This is what my parents wanted me to be. This was what my clients needed from me. I was in a, a marriage at the time that wasn't really working. So this was this was feeding my sense of self, my self-worth, my value, and I was becoming successful. And so I thought, well, you know, forget about those ridiculous little whispers, you know, that's silly. This is what you're doing and this is how you're being successful. So I was really pleasing other people and tricking myself that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life. But it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey. And that's what you're going to get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer. I'm so happy to be here with all of you, and I apologize for my scratchy voice. As a lot of you know, a few years ago when I hard-turned my life to music, I opened up a music studio with one of my bandmates. And one of the things that we do is we provide live music solutions for restaurants, party planners, weddings, private parties, basically anyone and anywhere that needs live music. We've got you covered with duos, trios, full bands, singers, guitarists, pianists, you name it. We're so fortunate to have a deep network of extraordinarily talented musicians who can deliver. And oh, you guys, building up a book of business with live music is not easy. But we were so dogged and determined and really spent all of last year, 2019, almost singularly focused on building up that piece of our business. And you know what? We did it. Our calendar for 2020 was full of corporate parties, private parties, weddings, member jams, country clubs. We were so fortunate to get a handful of them in before the world shut down. But then just like that, our busy and profitable year just disappeared. When that all went crashing down, we weren't really sure what this year would look like. For As musicians, we weren't sure what that would look like. But we were really fortunate and we're so grateful that so many of our clients just pushed their dates to 2021. So we're sure that once we can safely get back out there in big groups again, that we'll be back in business. But it really is hard for our musicians and their bottom line this year. We've been really lucky that in the past few months, as the COVID numbers went down um, and the weather has been nice, that we've been able to get back out there as a duo and on a rare occasion as a full band for some outdoor, very socially distanced shows. And I got to tell you, it's been so amazing, you guys, seeing and hearing 
how much people really need these opportunities for connection and joy. And I'm talking about this really special kind of connection and joy that music can uniquely bring. It has really impacted us in a major way, and it drives us to stay in our creative zone to keep delivering this music in ways that are safe and responsible, which leads me to my scratchy voice. So as it goes on this journey, when you're most in need of that next rung on the ladder, like when you just think, oh my gosh, I don't know where this is going to go next, somehow the world rises up and it meets you there and that next rung appears. And that's what happened to us this summer. We got connected with some people who had taken over a really beautiful historic restaurant back in March, a week before the shutdown. And oh, my heart breaks for them. But they're dogged and determined to make this restaurant work. And so they hired us to provide live music out on their patio for outdoor dining. Appropriately distanced, and in case any New York State regulators are listening in, it is totally, quote, incidental to the dining experience. We follow all the rules. So we've been there every Friday and Saturday night, either my duo partner and I or some of our musicians. And you guys, it's been straight up magic. It's been magic. I mean, we've always prided ourselves on calibrating our music to fit the audience. And more often than not, when we play gigs, everyone there ends up friends by the end of the night because we engage them and we make it a fun experience that everyone gets into. But it has been other level this summer and this fall. People are so genuinely grateful for the opportunity to be outside and together again, to have that connection and to just ride the wave of music away from their worries and troubles, even if it's just for a few hours. It's been really amazing. But now it's getting cold here in the Northeast at night, and this weekend it was cold and rainy, but people still came. The restaurant threw some flaps down on the tent to make some walls. They pulled in space heaters, and the diners continued to show up, and so we did too, which is why my voice is all scratchy now. For two nights, I've been singing in 40-degree weather, and one of them was in the rain. So I'm paying the price, but it was totally worth it. Because it's in those moments when people are calling out songs and challenging us to turn a punk rock Green Day song into an acoustic singer-songwriter song. And we do it when we do it live, real-time with these people. It's in those moments when you can feel it. I feel it literally in my bones, in my soul. It's what it feels like to be co-creators of this little thing we call life. And it's so beautiful. So you know what? My voice is going to be scratchy and a little broken up for a few days. But my heart and my soul, they are full and they are united. And I am greedy to get more of that. So I'm going to keep on with my scratchy voice as long as I have to, as long as I can keep doing this, because that kind of connection to other people, that kind of connection and unity is, is so important, which is what brings me to our guest today, my interview with Tammy McCarthy. She is one of the most amazing bridge builders and community connectors that I have ever met. Tammy reached out to my studio in February this year looking to collaborate, and from my first conversation with her... I knew she was a kindred spirit on this journey to unleashing your soul song. Tammy believes life is for living and that it's most interesting when it collides with passion and purpose. 
And today, we're going to bring that grand ideal down to reality and talk about exactly how she puts those beliefs in action. This is a deep dive at what a big life shift looks like, how she went from starting and running her own award-winning PR agency in New York City that really defined her and her identity, to reconnecting with her passion for acting and refocusing her entrepreneurial chops around a new vision for an eco-conscious community hub that she has since turned into reality through her store, The Callow Collective. And she did all of this and went through this with three young kids and the pressure and responsibility of providing for them. And here's the thing, you guys. When she was winding down her really successful PR agency, you know, the thing that paid the bills, she didn't know exactly what she was ramping up to. It's not like she had this grand vision for the Callow Collective in her mind. All she knew was that she could hear this whisper from her soul telling her there was something else, that there was something more. She took the jump, you guys, and when she did, the road started to appear. Her story is so inspiring, and she is living her most united and best life answering the call of her soul. I am so excited for you to meet her and to hear her story. So let's get to it. Tammy, I'm so excited to have you on Unleash Your Soul Song. Welcome. Thank you, Becky. I'm so excited to be here. I really can't think of a better way to start my morning. I just love being with you. (laughs) Your energy is amazing. You are so positive, so uplifting. And I feel like you've just set my day off to a great, uh, great track. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will take that as high praise because, to be honest, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) (laughs) It takes me a little while to get my engine going. Yeah, I I feel you on that one. I always have to get up and uh, we could talk about morning routines. You and I could talk about so many things and we often do. I know. Where shall we begin? Where should we begin? I remember when we first met, we had this instant connection. We had this instant recognition that we were on a similar path of personal growth and spiritual awakening and just really pushing for greater potential overall. Mm -hmm. And we have had the most fun collaborating ever since. So I'm so excited to collaborate on this podcast with you right now. Thank you for being on. Yeah. And congratulations for this. It's uh, definitely a brave effort on your part and so needed in the world today, for sure. Oh, well, thank you. For people who don't know you, for my listeners who aren't familiar with you, I've already given a brief introduction about you. And uh, one of the things I want to set the stage with is how you are such the uh, you're such an amazing catalyst of community. And I don't know if you're being intentional about this or not or if it's just a combination of your spirit and just flat out survival mode that I think a lot of small businesses are in right now in the post-COVID reality. But I'm looking at the Callow Collective and everything you have going on there. And in my eyes, you're really you're you're almost creating a new model for how local businesses can thrive in such challenging times. And the best part of that is the joy it brings you. You can see it. I mean, it's all over your face. I think that's why people are so attracted to the space because you love what you're doing. I mean, it's in your whole being and it spills out onto everything you do. So you're you're in your zone. Do you feel like you're in your zone? That is so kind of you to say. Um, I do feel like I'm in my zone. You know, it's so funny. I um, A long time ago, I don't even remember when I heard this or experienced it, but 
I love a great dinner party or a great party, you know? And someone once said to me, you know, the sign of a good party is when, and when people are having a great time is when the host or hostess is really enjoying themselves too, right? Mm, (laughs) And, um, you know, that stuck with me because I remember, you know, having dinner parties or celebrations um, for people or hosting them. And I loved creating these experiences, Um, you know, bringing people together, sharing great food, great music. Um, For me, I always love that look on someone's face when they're having a really great experience. And so I love to do that at home in my professional career. Um, in marketing and branding. It was all about creating experiences and helping bring uh, different kinds of brands to life. And I think with Kahlo, um, which you touched on so eloquently, much better than I can, um, it really is all of everything that I am passionate about under one roof. And this is, I guess it is a passion project, but for me, it's just it's about the joy of life and creating these experiences for people that happens to be in a little place in Pound Ridge, New York. And I'm just having a blast creating all these different types of experiences that hopefully drive deeper connections, deeper connections for ourselves, deeper connections to other people, deeper connections to our planet. And, you know, for me, that's what, you know, I was just looking around going, how can I be a catalyst for that? And that's really what this, you know, past couple of years has been about. Taking an idea as small as how to be a good hostess at a party, how to have people have a great time and knowing that you loved that experience. There was something about that experience that spoke to you and how you could translate that into your work is something I think a lot of people look to do. You know, they have maybe a hobby or an interest or a volunteer opportunity or something that just sparks a little seed of knowing inside of them. And they can take that and really, you turned it into your career and you incorporated it into your career. Other people, you know, they may continue to do it through a hobby or a volunteer opportunity. The value is still the same. It's still bringing this beautiful thing into the world. Um, But take us through your experience, your backstory, because like you said, you've been doing this for a couple of years, just a few years at Callow. So you had a big, big career before you were in small business. Um, Why don't you talk to us about that and that journey about that experience and kind of how you got to where you are right now? Yeah. Um, Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, I um, I grew up in Baltimore. Um, I had a very humble beginning. Um, and at some point, I, I think it was my senior year of high school, actually, uh, the big event of, you know, senior year was you got to go to New York on a bus trip and see a Broadway show. Um, and I remember that was my first Broadway show experience. It was Cats. I do believe I fell asleep during the show. Um, (laughs) So ultimately what I thought was going to be the best experience of the trip really wasn't. But what it did was it opened my eyes to to this wonderful thing called theater and New York and, um, you know, roaming around the West Village and just the energy of the city blew me away. And, you know, I didn't really have a plan. I had no real idea of you know, what I wanted to be, but I knew I had to get to New York. And so I remember coming back from that trip, being totally fired up, 
and sitting in my guidance counselor's office. Um, and there was probably, you know, a stack of catalogs to different colleges, um, you know, that was probably about two feet high. It seemed so big and just so looming. And I remember just picking it up and going through catalog after catalog after catalog until I found something in New York. And of course, I found NYU. Um, and, uh, you know, it was like, whoa, this place is so big. And so, you know, it, it wasn't really appealing to me. And then I saw something for Parsons School of Design. And it was this tiny little catalog. And everything about it was like, that's where I need to be. I don't know mm. why. I don't know how. But that's where I need to be. And I ended up um, applying and, of course, getting accepted. And that that experience changed my life. Uh, you know, just getting to New York, going to Parsons, being in this really creative atmosphere and going, holy shit, like these people are so talented. And mostly the conversation and what I was studying then was all in the fashion industry. And I had some very cool experiences. I ended up working for a fashion company, um, you know, when I graduated, but still like yearning and searching, like I'm here, I'm, I'm supposed to be here, but this isn't it. This isn't it, you know? And um, mm -hmm. I remember <laughs> to uh, support myself, I had gotten this job at Bloomingdale's and this woman came up to me and she asked me my shoe size. And I said, my shoe size? Well, you know, I'm a size six. She goes, oh my gosh, your foot is perfect. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> and she, she said, you know, come to my office, you know, we're going to talk. It's, it was like, I don't know, shoe week or something in the fashion <laughs> world. And I ended up booking this live runway show for Candies. I don't know if you remember that brand. I do. <laughs> Those were your feet? <laughs> Those were my feet. Strutting down some runway in Trump Tower, you know, as part of this showroom, the candy showroom. Um, and I remember that experience. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but this feels so good. And I think I made um, more money than I had ever made at Bloomingdale's. And so, you know, it was just, wow, that was something, huh? And, um, but of course, my mom was like, you know, no, you know, you're not, you're not going to be a model. You're not going to be an actress. You're, you're going to be in fashion. That's what you're studying. That's what you're doing. So I did go for the fashion job. And, um, Probably four years into that, I made a switch to PR and uh, and marketing, and and you know within a couple of years of being in that world, I ended up opening my own agency and representing fashion, beauty, media clients, corporate clients, and that sort of thing. And it was interesting because I think that path sort of I stumbled into it, but this performance aspect of you know pitching clients, winning business, creating campaigns, and making them the star. That really fed me for a long, a long period of time in terms of my creative muscle. Um, and so, and it was great. I mean, you know, I, it was Madison Avenue. It was in New York. I did that for 23 years. Um, and it was a great life. But I realized at some point that it was definitely the wrong path. Interesting. Did you have a moment? Was it a moment or were there a series of moments where you, you could hear it? I mean, how did you know that you were on the wrong path? How did you... How did that start to come in for you, I guess, that feeling? I think, you know, we probably at some point throughout our lives, um, at least this is how it was for me, I was doing something, I was really successful at it, but there were these whispers, you know, mm. these whispers that were either calling me for to do something else or to, 
reevaluate or to reflect. And, you know, life, life is a tricky little monster. So I think what I was doing, you know, I was tricking myself that this is what success was. This is, this is what my parents wanted me to be. This was what my clients needed from me. Um, you know, I was, I was in a, a marriage at the time that wasn't really working. So this was, this was feeding my sense of self, my self-worth, my value. Um, and I was becoming successful. And so I thought, well, you know, forget about those ridiculous little whispers, you know, that's, that's silly. This is what you're doing. And this is, this is how you're being successful. So I was really pleasing other people and tricking myself that, you know, I was, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so completely relatable. I, uh, in a previous episode, I talked about one of the things that I think trips us up when we are, you know, when people are trying to identify, you know, what, what is it I'm supposed to be bringing to this world? What's the unique contribution I'm supposed to be bringing? And I really do think more and more people are asking that question because these shallow they're feeling how shallow their lives are just feeling that way. And so they're, they're wanting, they're yearning for a, a deeper connection to some kind of deeper meaning. And when they go to ask that question, one of the things I think that trips us up is we confuse our surface level skills, those skills that we're good at, those things that we've either gone to school for, that we've been working in for however many years in our industry, um, we we confuse those surface level skills with the true deeper calling in our soul, those whispers, just like you talked about. And we're so fast to dismiss them, so fast. They don't seem practical. Um, and oftentimes you can't see a path for how you're going to get right. there. Or never mind practicality. It's like responsibility too, you know? Absolutely. And that's what I was getting ready to say that especially when you're in a career where you're, you know, you're the breadwinner or you're relying on that income, how do you start to make that shift? So how did you start to make that shift? Because you made it. So <laughs> what did that look like? Yeah, it was pretty messy, actually. Um, and I remember, so it was 2008 and it was sort of the height of, a lot of things going on in my life. Um, you know, my agency had been really successful um, at the time. Actually, Citigroup was one of my biggest clients, and um, I had worked really long and really hard um, on a particular aspect of my business. That I became agency of record for the City Card division um, through a small project that I had gotten, and I really. Again, you know, there was so much there um, that was feeding me as, you know, kind of a successful woman, right? I had this agent, this agency, but I also had this this one account for twelve years, and I had taken it from a small project to something really substantial, and so much of myself, I think, was wrapped up in that. And by two thousand and eight, when the financial crisis hit, I had already survived probably six. CEO reorganizations, and we were launching a huge campaign. So it was like, you know, all of everything was sort of um, at this very pivotal moment. And I remember kind of coming through that, and everything went well for the campaign. But there were all these, you know, there were all these executive changes and things happening. And, and the world felt really really urgent. There was just so much tugging at me at that particular time. 
And I had this moment of, you know what, I need to, I don't know who I am. I am completely stressed out. I'm totally type A. I have, you know, kids, I have a life, but everything was just so focused on one aspect of my being. And that became really, really hard and really challenging. So, you know, something had to give and I didn't want it to be myself in all of that. And so I said, you know, but what if, what if I don't work anymore? What if I don't have this agency? What would I do? And that was an interesting question. And I remember just getting myself to my bathtub and creating this bath where I lit candles and I put essential oils in the water and I made it so hot that I practically couldn't stand it and salt and oils. And and I just meditated and I just put my hands on my heart and I thought, what do I do? Because I can't keep doing this. This doesn't feel doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good for me, my family. And it's not just about, you know, financial success anymore. It has to be something different. And that's when I really started to tap into my creative self. Who was I before this? What did I like? What did I do? And I had at that moment, you know, when I was meditating in this ridiculous bath that I made for myself, I saw myself as a little girl making my family laugh. I would perform for them. I would put on shows. I would I would write songs and I would sing and dance. And I remember uh, I used to watch the Carol Burnett show with my with my grandparents. And I would reenact all those goofy characters, you know, to get laughs and to take my then childhood situation and make it something fun for the people around me. And that, that image was really stark for me. And I said, okay, you know, I have to figure that out. I have to get back to who that was and what that meant because it's, it's here right now. And it's, and it's speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that was a very messy process <laughs> from that point on. But one thing that I did was, you know, I had a big presentation coming up in LA and I had to travel and social media was coming on the scene. Um, And I knew that, you know, in this ballroom of 1000 journalists that I would be speaking to, that they were going to be tweeting at the same time. And that had never happened before, you know. So I hired an acting coach and I worked through my material. And that was that was kind of a big pivot for me right there. That's incredible. I just got goosebumps when you said that because <laughs> because so our listeners may not know at this point, but you are and you're an actress as well. I, I teed that up a little bit in the intro. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But the idea of of your worlds coming together like that, that you you had that moment of quiet, of reflection and the question that pushed you to do that. And it was after that reflection that you through your work, you're trying to be successful at work and navigating that new normal, something had come in in the other door, right? Into your right brain saying, wait a minute, maybe, you know, maybe I need to have some coaching here to make sure that I'm successful at this aspect of my job now, since that piece is changing. That's almost like a little gift that was handed up to you to say, hey, here you go. You have this opportunity. Go ahead and start to bring that piece in. I think that's really cool. You know, it's interesting because it took me probably four or five years of just that, of just recognizing that, trying to figure it out. And also I have to say, you know, my husband, without that support, without him saying like, it's time, like Mm. (laughs) you need to, you need to listen to this, you know, you need to figure it out. 
if I didn't have that support, it would have been so easy to just discount everything that I was feeling, everything that I was thinking. Absolutely. It is so, it's disorienting. When you enter a space like that, when you are in these in-between moments where you know that what's, what the life that you've had and the reality that you know, that you've known is no longer serving you in a way, and you know you have to move forward to something else, it's so easy to abandon it because like you've said, that time in between, it's messy. And it's, and it's, you know, there's a lot of um, destruction self, you know, you have to dismantle a lot of things about yourself. And when that happens, a lot of pieces of your life start to kind of fall apart a little bit too. And so to have that support through your husband is incredible, because if you don't have it, it is really easy to go running for the hills. Really easy. Um, Yeah. So whether it's, you know, a husband or a best friend or, you know, girlfriends that can lift you up and take you through your darkest days. I think that is so important because it's just so easy to uh, to throw in the towel and particularly just keep doing the things that feel comfortable or feel normal. And those moments that we step outside of that of our comfort zone, you know, I think what's the famous quote, you know, that's where life yeah. begins or <laughs> or something like that. But it's also the kind of thing that can make you run for the hills, you know, because it feels so weird. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because it's, you know, only now during this pandemic that I can look back and really say, well, this was really worth it. Now that's interesting for you to say, and that's probably a good segue into talking about how you ended up opening up this amazing store here in our beautiful little town of Pound Ridge, because I don't know that a lot of small business owners would say that, that they would look back at this moment and say, (laughs) oh, it's all worth it. I think, I think they'd be saying, oh my gosh, this is, you know, what did I get myself into? I should have stayed in that other job. (laughs) I mean, I really think this is the time when people could say, oh, what was I thinking? But, but you've done really, honestly, watching you navigate through this change that has come in that you did not ask for, you certainly didn't want. I know you had a lot of plans, you know, pre-COVID that we, we talked about and, and navigating through that. I mean, Honestly, in my eyes, you look like you're thriving and Callow looks like it's thriving. And just to give people some texture about what we're talking about with this with this store. So Callow Collective, it's an echo chic oasis that celebrates life with intention. And I love it so much because you've created a place where the lines between art and life and love and beauty, they're just blurred in this soft and inviting space. And community is at the center of it all, at all of it. And it's it's really kind of a hybrid, hybrid model. It's like a store, but it's also an experience. You know, you've got, Tammy's got the most amazing home goods and clothing line and jewelry and skincare and, and herbal remedies. And uh, but yet she still does courses like mindful knitting and sip and paint and yoga and meditation and classes on essential oils and your farmers markets and your free to Friday happy hours. I mean, you have so <laughs> so much going on there. And let's not forget, I have an amazing theme song now, thanks to you. Yes, indeed. Now you have this amazing theme song for your amazing show for her for her Instagram TV series about who's in the chair. I mean, so many things are going on there that you would not even know that you had just gone through a major pandemic and your business and your doors closing. I mean, closing for retail. I, I don't understand how you could have survived. So, so tell me, 
I guess before we get into the how are you thriving right now, how did you even begin to start Callow? How did that idea of going from somebody who was, you know, so many years in lifestyle branding, marketing and PR, how did you go to the retail space and say, this is how the expression needs to come out. This is how it needs to look. How did you make that jump or know that that was the right thing to do? Yeah. So good question. I think so. When I talked about that transformative bath, I then became uh, really much more focused on my own personal wellness journey and intertwined in there was really embracing more aspects of myself. So, you know, spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, you know, like I said, I can't even begin to describe how, you know, how much pressure and how much stress there is when you have this PR branding advertising agency, you have people working for you, you have clients, so much of your time is demanded, right? And I and I had people that, you know, I was responsible for. So I, I really felt an obligation to just always be there for everyone. And so what had become, you know, apparent to me was you got to get a healthy perspective here. And because what's happening is you're not taking care of yourself. And so, yeah, so the burnout started to happen. Um, and I would create these experiences for myself because I didn't really have time to get to a spa weekend or take a retreat with friends or, you know, it wasn't really like that. I was really focused on uh, being a mom. I have three boys. We have a blended family. They were really young at the time. And I thought to myself, if I could just get 20 minutes and just start to recharge my own batteries, then I'll be a much more present and loving and patient person for my family. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where it all began. And so, you know, from, from just creating these bath experiences, um, that was a creative outlet for me. I mean, I guess you know, people, if, if I were athletic, maybe I would have, you know, done some tennis or, you know, something like that. But that that wasn't me. I really was looking for this creative way to also be a therapeutic experience for myself. And so what ended up happening was as I was sort of dialing down this whole agency world and just, you know, doing all that and the burnout, I then started to really pay attention to like what, what made me happy creatively, what brought joy. And so then I started creating baths and making kits and what I called a meditation in the box for people. And I would send those as gifts. And then I started to do farmers markets and special events in my hometown. And then people would invite me to their charity events, you know, to participate that way. So then before I knew it, I was looking at, okay, uh, how can I manufacture these? I I found um, a a lab in Oregon that specializes in holistic wellness and natural remedies. And so I started to just collaborate with them on on baths and, and different types of experiences related to clean, healthy, holistic bathing and created mandala cards and these packages. And so I launched a subscription commerce business where people could subscribe to these. And then I launched natural um, skincare remedies. And then it was like, oh, okay, I've become my own client now. (laughs) So I started to create these brands. Um, One was Salty Bath and my, my real name. Oh my gosh, I'm saying it I don't know, on this podcast, I've never put it out there before like this, but my real name is Tambra, T-A-M-B-R-A. 
And so what was dovetailing for me was this experience of going like back to back to nature, back to myself, back to, as you so eloquently describe a lot when we talk is this becoming, you know, we're, we're becoming mm-hmm. and who are we becoming and what's that process like? And so, yeah, so I, I developed these brands and then there's the experience side of me. I wanted to, I didn't want to be limited to the box and I didn't want to be limited to these markets. I wanted to create a place. And for me, Kahlo, uh, inspired by Frida Kahlo, again, it's just about, you know, blurring the lines. And she's somebody that did that so well. You know, it's like, look at you, for example, you know, you, you had a career, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a daughter, you're a sister, you're a friend, but you're also Mm -hmm. a person and you, and you have flaws and you have dreams and you have desires. And so it was about honoring that really. It was kind of a nice bridge for you. I mean, like you touched on there is responsibility. You know, I I talk about this in another episode that when you're unleashing your soul song, it's not about abandoning responsibility and just saying, I'm just going to go do whatever makes me feel good. Unleashing your soul song actually has a lot to do with responsibility to yourself and to everyone around you. It's like the the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So you really have to be mindful of that and kind of find that way to thread the needle. And like I said, maybe you do it through a volunteer experience or through a hobby you know, if it, if it can't be your full-time job. But it sounds like you perfectly made that bridge for yourself. And it kind of happened organically in some ways. And it happened because you carved out space. You carved out the time in your life for that creative outlet, which is beautiful. And you knew to do that because you took the time to stop and reflect and ask that important question about what if I didn't work? What 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 would happen if I let go of this agency? And that's a scary thing for people to ask themselves if they're really trying to answer it honestly, because it makes you shed so much of your ego and and the self that you've created, that external self you've created. It's it's harder to tap into that thing inside, which is, it sounds like that's what you were making space for to come in. And it came in. And when it did, it started to just organically develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then ultimately in the space. Yeah. I think um, one of one of the big concepts is failure, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, I had to really get real about, I don't care about failure anymore, you know, because I think I was holding on to so much that felt like success. Yes. Um, that if I let go of it, it would mean that I'm a failure, mm-hmm. that I failed. And, and, you know, what would people think of me? you know? Yep. Um, or see, see, like, yeah, I knew, I knew eventually she was going to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so there's a, a lot to unpack there and I'll probably be working on that forever. But <laughs> Aren't we all, <laughs> aren't we all, but isn't it a liberating, isn't it liberating when you get to a space where you say, I don't care. I, I mean, there's a part of me, I don't care what people think. I don't care if they think this is crazy. I don't care if they think that that looks like a failure in their eyes because it's not in mine. Like, yeah. That's an awesome place to arrive to. Really great. Now, I'm curious, when you when you had the vision for Callow, when you realized, you know, you had the salty bath going and you had timbre going and you realized, you know, I could really make this, materialize this in a space. Mm-hmm. And you had the idea and you found the space and you had the vision for the place. I'm I'm curious if during that time... Did you ever have a moment where you thought, 
I don't know how to open a store and do all of these things. And how am I going to learn how to source these materials? Because your dedication to ethically sourced and eco-conscious um, materials is a driving force of your store. And so did you ever have a moment where you thought, okay, I really want to do that. I have this end vision for where I want to go, but I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to actually do this. And and mm-hmm. did did you have that that thought or that happened to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and and how did you come over? I mean, did you find that, that when you finally just committed to the vision, did you find the world kind of rising up to help you or was it a straight hustle? Was it a combination? Like what'd that look like? Yeah. Um, so first of all, there's a lot of power in actually making the decision, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, it took me well over a year maybe longer, um, to do that. And while I kept seeing a space in my mind for people to come together, it wasn't clear. Initially, it wasn't clear as to like, where would that space be and how would that work and and that sort of thing. How it came to be was, I forget where I was going, but I had to, so I live in Bedford, but I was going through Pound Ridge and I realized that, oh my gosh, the the store on the corner, uh, which had been this like iconic antique tools, kitchen tools, you know, place that had been spilling out with junk, you know, from, from the entire building to the front, to the back, it was just spilling out with stuff was empty. And it, and I remember like stopping at the, at the um, stop sign there and looking over going, oh my gosh, like I never knew that place was so beautiful um, because it had always been so cluttered, you know, and quirky and, and that sort of thing. And so I think it was, um, you know, that kind of just stuck with me and and this idea of, you know, place and, you know, what am I going to do next? And I had been running back and forth to the city a lot. And I thought, you know, I could probably make that work that way. I could, I could be home more. And it was a process, you know, and it, and it took a while and I kept that space kept haunting me, I guess. Um, because it had just as much outdoor space as it had indoor space. And I knew for me, if I was going to do something, it had to feel like a community hub. You know, it had to, it had to be multi-purpose and multi-dimensional and a place where people could really come together was, that was really the driving force of the mission. It wasn't really the stuff. And that sort of came, you know, in time, as I was thinking about you know, once you once you decide to uh, embrace a spiritual journey or a holistic path or and you're thinking about what not only the world around you, but what we're putting in our bodies, it's it then becomes clear. Well, what are we putting on our bodies and and where did that shirt travel from and, and where was it made and how was it made? And so all of these things really started to um, crystallize for me. And I started to really collaborate and talk to lots of different people in the eco world that were doing really interesting things. So getting the space was probably the easiest part being, you know, kind of then committed and responsible for all the stuff that happens after that is, is the scary part. And, um, and I just, at this point, just feel like I'm just going to follow my gut here on what feels right. And right now this feels right. Wow, that's great. That that's I love the fact that you've touched on the driving force of your mission and you said the stuff was not as important. The thing that was important to you was that you were looking to build a place of community. 
and 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 going back to that first idea of that you love to host parties, you loved to host events where people were having a great time, where you were having a great time, where everyone felt connected. That seed of of something that you love, right? Where people could take that and just say, oh, well, I just, I mean, that's just a nice feeling. You know, I just like to do that. I think they dismiss it. I think they they don't look at it deep enough to realize, wait a minute, that's something that I can bring and embody in this world in so many different ways. And I think maybe you know, in your bath, that's where you probably distilled down and kind of mm-hmm. retouched with that and then retouched with, okay, as a child, I did these types of things. And how do those things start to play together? But the idea that you have this driving force at Callow that is about community and the stuff inside, it's not, you know, it can be so many different things. And it is so many different things. You have so many different things in that store. It's amazing. But they all feel connected in some way, and it's because of that driving force. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a very powerful thought and a very powerful aha that for people who have some little thing that they love to do and they just don't see how that could ever be anything else, yeah, that you took you took that seed and that's that's your mission. That's what you hang your hat on. And you can see it. that it's so evident in your space. And I think wow. that's why people love to be there. <laughs> Because you really do embody that. You really do. Now, I have to tell you a funny story quickly because, and I may have already told you about that space, because when it came open, I had the exact same reaction you did. Oh, wow. Which was, I never realized how beautiful it was because (laughs) it was always covered up, right? Yeah. And it's really the stunning space. And I'm going to put a link to your store in the show notes. So, and I really encourage people to go and look at it because the stuff, even though it's not as consequential to your mission, right? Mm -hmm. The stuff inside is really amazing and you can buy it online. So I would recommend people checking that out. But the space is beautiful. And I remember thinking the same thing. And it was right about the same time when I was really starting to pivot hard to music. And you know, part of one of the things that I've always wanted, it's the same thing. I love music because it brings people together. Mm-hmm. And I love the community aspect of it. I love playing with other people. I love being with other people when we play and having them engage and make song requests and sing along with us and mm-hmm. dance. And to me, that's like the good juicy stuff. And so in my mind, in the back of my mind, and still in the back of my mind, I still have this vision for a place, we've talked about this, a place where musicians can collaborate, come together and have those experiences. And there was a time when I looked at that space, Mm -hmm. not formally, but, you know, through the windows and (laughs) from outside. Yeah. I mean, the light that comes in those windows is really something. It's, it's, it's an incredible space. I mean, it's really, it's, there's so much magical potential there and you have just like rubbed and polished and now it shines (laughs) and it looks amazing. So that's very funny that you and I, and we didn't even know each other then. I know. We're both looking at that space and Mm. all the fun times we've had in there since since (laughs) we've met. But to that whole, that mission, right? Yeah. Your mission of bringing people together and and your mission also of giving people a full sensory experience in your mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. You don't shy away from the fact that this involves, you know, the mind, body, and spirit. Right. And you know, that's the kind of stuff that people expect at a yoga studio, but maybe not necessarily at a local store, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of approach, I don't know. For some people, it can kind of put them off. Other people, it draws them in. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any doubt about being so bold with that approach or that mission? Did you feel like you needed to temper it or, you know, hold back what you felt called to to put out there as part of your operating model? Yeah, you know, I 
I don't think I ever felt, well, here's the thing. I remember um, an experience that I had and I went, uh, a, a friend invited me to, you know, it's down in Pennsylvania to, you know, a spa weekend with the girls. And it was one of those things where, um, you know, I actually had the time to do it. So I was like, yeah, let's do that. And so we went, you know, you pick your activities. So we're going to do yoga at this time. And we're going to do a, a sip and paint class at this time. And then we're going to do drum circle, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of going through this itinerary thinking, um, well, this is, this is fun and everything, but why does it always have to happen somewhere else? <laughs> like, right. why can't it happen in my own neighborhood? You know, why does it always have to feel far away or only at certain times? You know, what if I had two hours and I wanted to do it on a Wednesday or a Thursday night? So that thought was kind of, you know, haunting me a little bit. And, um, you know, with Kahlo, I remember uh, the sip and paint experience that I had um, at the spa in Pennsylvania. It was intimidating. Like the person, she felt like she wasn't really having fun. That was kind of leading our group. And, you know, we had this allotted time and we had to start with the watercolor flowers this way and we had to end that way. And then everybody's stuff looked the same. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've done those we've all done those paint by numbers at the <laughs> bank classes with the ball jar with the sunflowers in them yeah and I was like well I don't know I mean it killed some time but it wasn't the best experience so then with Kahlo I thought you know oh well what if we brought somebody in who actually you know either was a docent at a museum or she was an artist herself or you know somebody that curated art um, what if we brought them in? And then what if we, I remember uh, one night it was Kandinsky night. And so we talked about Kandinsky's art and then we were inspired by the art. And then I made white Russians for everybody to drink. And, you know, it's like, what if we made it a real journey, you know, from mm-hmm. start to finish? And what if everybody painted something different, right? I mean, yeah, we're studying abstract art and, and, we're talking about art, but your art is going to be different than my art. And who cares? Let's just make something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that was kind of the premise for it. And I thought, let me just put it out there and let me see, let me see if people respond to it. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was so fun and it was a blast and it allowed me to create a series of experiences for women to just you know, especially when you live in the suburbs, you know, we're all yeah. in our homes so much and we're all so focused on all the things we have to do that, yeah, wouldn't it be great to just go to somewhere in the neighborhood and, and connect with each other and, and just have fun? You have so many things going on there that are for other people. I mean, you do. You really are so thoughtful about what the community needs and, and your ability to respond to that through this pandemic I think has set you apart from a lot of other people just pivoting and adjusting and responding and listening. What do people need? What do they want? How can I help them? How can I be of service to them? Yeah. It's so evident in your model. I'm curious though, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? I know you have your own creative outlet that mm-hmm. feeds you. And I'm sure that doing this for other people feeds you. Mm-hmm. But I think you have other projects going on. I'd love for you to talk about <laughs> that yeah. are really um, specific to you. And what are you up to right now? That's something that's, you know, maybe just for you that might be for other people later. And yeah, tell us yeah. about that. So, um, so a couple of things. One, you know, when, um, 
most recently, actually. So I started to do uh, workshops and events outside socially distanced, right? Because people would come in and say, when are we going to do sip and pain? I miss it so much. Or when are we going to do, you know, this workshop? And so a couple of weeks ago, I had a group of women come in for um, a sip and paint and, you know, out in the Kahlo Garden. And they walked in, uh, three women in particular who had arrived together. And one of the women, I mean, she literally like tears welled up in her eyes and she said, oh, my gosh, this is so beautiful. I haven't been out in four months and I haven't done anything for myself. This is amazing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she had some wine and she had some cheese. And then she started and we were studying uh, Georgia O'Keeffe that night. And so she, she created the most beautiful piece. um, And it was so inspiring to her friends and the people that were there. So that definitely feeds me. It brings my heart so much joy when people do come into the into the space or they do have an experience, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of people walk in and their shoulders immediately go much lower from their ears Mm -hmm. and they go, Oh my gosh, it smells so good in here. It's, it's like, it's like being in a spa. Um, So that definitely feeds me. The other thing is the community that uh, has embraced me by me creating this community has also been such a huge gift. And so it's inspired me as an artist. So yeah, so I, I am acting. I do have a small, you know, tribe of people that I collaborate with creatively in that way. And you know, my my personal story is only evolving at this point, and I'm embracing that journey. I recently found and met my father uh, after decades since birth, really. I never knew him. So that event has really impacted me and expanded my heart so much mm-hmm. because he's amazing. And this relationship that we have as a result has uh, changed me forever. So as an artist, I am uh, taking that inspiration and uh, I'm working on a one-woman show. I cannot wait for that show. I don't know what that means right now because <laughs> I'm in the thick of it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe Kala will become a performance center. I have no idea. Mom, I and mean, you have that beautiful stage out back, so you definitely could. <laughs> but I love the fact you just said it. You, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like, but you're creating this one woman show, and you know, you're putting it out in the universe that you're doing it. So I have no doubt it's going to come okay, to be. So you're going to keep me accountable. Absolutely. We can be accountability buddies. <laughs> Everybody needs that every now and again. Well, listen, you are you are one of the bravest people. Honestly, you're you're one of the bravest people that I know in terms of of sharing their authentic self and okay. sharing their authentic joy for what they love and and putting themselves out there to create those spaces and to create those experiences because it's it's hard to know if people are going to respond to it. It's hard to know mm-hmm. if you're going to get people that are going to come and embrace it and be part of it. And what if they don't? And are you going to, like you said, am I going to feel like a failure? Is everybody going to right. say she left this amazing agency and she had this wonderful career? And, you know, what's she doing out in the burbs now? She's t- right. you know, taking these suburban <laughs> women out for, you know, to paint like and eat cheese <laughs> and wine. whoop de doo But it's not, you know, I, people could really belittle it. But it's meaningful. And and yeah. what you do at Callow is so meaningful. And Thank your you. acting is meaningful. I mean, it all has purpose. And that's what I, I really try to drive through on this show for people. I think people can discount mm-hmm. what they're being called to do because they don't think it has purpose or they think it's insignificant or it doesn't really matter. And I just encourage everyone to listen to the whispers and yeah. 
to just kind of follow with some curiosity as to where they lead. You don't have to upend your life to do it. Right. But if you follow the curiosity, it seems to naturally unfold. And that seems mm-hmm. to be your story. But you do have to be brave. You have to be brave to do it. And you are very brave. You're oh, so brave to do it. And I you. just admire you so much. Well, I think that that's all we have time for today. But tell before we go, tell everybody where they can find you online and where how they can shop at Calo and <laughs> be part of the experience virtually. Sure. Um, so you can follow along if you're on Instagram. Uh, Kahlo Collective is uh, K A H L O Collective um, is on Insta, and you know that links to everything. So that's probably the best place to check it out. Awesome. And then you can also shop online at your store, and I'll put that show yep. note in the or I'll put that link in the show notes for us so everybody can get there. Tammy, thank you so much for being thank here. You, thanks a million. I love what you're doing. Please, this is so important work as well. So please keep it up. Oh, well, thank you. And we're gonna have a good day today now. <laughs> we're ready. Onward. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song. Shoot me a message. Let me know. What'd you think about the show? Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.